And you're very welcome to this week's edition of the Clash Act podcast. And I'm delighted to be joined this week by Carlo, Senior Football Manager, Niall Carew. Niall, good afternoon. Hi, Eddie. How are things? I'm very good. And yourself? Uh, not too bad, thanks. Not too bad. Uh, big week this week with the, the GEA training, collective training, allowed to start back up again. Um, have you started and hit the ground running straight away? Yeah, look, Eddie, I suppose it, it, it's new to everyone uh, coming back. So uh, to try and get things right, there's no scientific approach to this one. Um, you're either very cautious or throw caution to the wind and try and get yourself in the best, I suppose, best shape possible for the first league match against Waterford. So, um, I suppose we threw caution to the wind and we said, look, we'll just, we'll just go right ahead within reason. And uh, yeah, so far, so good. And Niall, just kind of, like, since your appointment, you've been appointed to the Carlo position since last August. So, like, you've only been training and managing Carlo in a COVID scenario. Like, is it is it is it very, very difficult in comparison to, you know, your experiences previously? Absolutely, yeah. Um I suppose very, very um, lucky that we had the six weeks last year um, in, in terms of preparation and getting the league and championship match in. Um, I, I, I would be, I suppose, under a lot of pressure, your management team in terms of if you were coming in now to play your first league match, um, I think that, that's very hard on, on new management because at least we can have a few trial games leading into... Um, leading into, uh, I suppose, the league campaign last year, the last game against Sligo, and then we had the championship match against Offaly. So I have a fair handle on where we're at. Um, but, um, yeah, look, you'd certainly like in a Bourne Cup to give other players um, opportunities and things like that. But uh, I suppose we're fairly pleased where we're at and, and the panel we have at our... Um, I suppose available to us at the moment, you know. And just just looking back on your own uh, managerial career, you, you you did you did a stint with Waterford, um, and you also had a stint with Sligo. Like from each of them jobs, you know, there would have been at different stages in your own career the journey that you're on yourself. Like, what would you have taken, or how how have you found things evolve for yourself over each of them positions? If you get what I mean, like, do you know what experiences have you drawn on from them that you're able to bring on to the next stage with you? Yeah, look, I suppose that is the, the big thing um, is that you're learning every every game, literally, and, and every game that you go out to play as a manager, um, you're, you're never, you know, if, if you win, it's brilliant, and you certainly probably don't learn as much when you win. And when you lose a game, you don't actually call it losing. You, you call it in your own head, uh, what have I learned from that? Did we improve in, in many areas? And that's something that I would have, gathered from my watch for days and moving into Sligo as well um, the fact that you get so down about losing matches that your energy levels for training then would be right you know they wouldn't get the right pitch for players and they'll certainly feed off that as well so I had to learn a hell of a lot from, from that I suppose um, I suppose my own mental health going into games and, and you know so you take the positives as much as you can and try and learn from the few mistakes you've made on the field and, and what, as a manager, you contribute to all that as well in, in what way you have your lads playing and things like that. So, yeah, you, you certainly learn that. And I, I suppose the other thing is um, what you'd be always learning um, is that sometimes I cringe, Eddie, at, at things I've, I've done nine or ten years ago as a manager in dressing rooms. And you'd be kind of saying to yourself, oh, my God, what was I thinking of saying that? Or, you know, you tend to go to too much in the brave heart end of things and you know I think players now 
more direction is needed now than than more motivation and stuff. And, and there is a place for motivation, don't get me wrong, but at the same time, um, you can still insult a player's intelligence by, by just banging tables the whole time and you know getting them to play for your jersey and getting them to play for X, Y and Z. There has to be a purpose to it. And I suppose I've learned that as I'm going on my own journey along with working with great people along the way. And and, and would you find it, it's interesting that you say that because I know myself from being in dressing rooms and, and it's something I've spoken to players that I've been involved with and players that I've trained that, you know, from myself, the style I'd have it, it'd be very much more in a in a teaching process if you if you can if you understand what I'm saying so when I look at a game yeah. I'll analyze the result the result's important because it's the most important thing anyway but I always like to analyze why we ended up with that result but but I've been in dressing rooms where you know a, a selector might come in and flick a table over or a, a manager might spend five minutes absolutely lifting us over at half time and you're going out in the second half and in the back of my head I'm thinking you know, Jesus Christ, we're getting cleaned here and he's after spending five minutes giving out to us about not having any pride or not having any, when he should be saying to us, look guys, we need to, you know, get a midfielder to drop in front of their centre forward or we need to get a wing back to, a wing forward to drop back and help here because they're getting an overlapper. You know, is is, is that a, is that something you see in, in managers that you learn as you get a little bit more experience that half time is seven minutes to try and right a couple of wrongs, not to go in and fire tables off the wall and, and, and start screaming at lads yeah look you, you have it nailed Eddie and, and that's that's the way I approach everything now is that you, you give players good direction um, as you said earlier there you know areas that are not going well for you like that's your job um, is to give them direction in, in, in how to fix that um, and it's used to dropping the player back if it's to make a few positional changes if it's to change um, your attack on kickouts um if you're pushing up and you're you're, you're not um, making any hay against the opposition kickouts, means you're exposed at the back. So there's all them areas that you know, and you know yourself, Eddie. There's so many permutations in Gaelic football, and there, there's thousands. So you're not going to nail every one of them. But what you will try and do is give them direction in real time, and that that's what I try to do on my management team. You know, um, in fairness to Victor Dyle and, and Simon and Ger Brennan, uh, I, I'm very lucky to have good men beside me as well and an excellent S&C coach uh, in Cairn and um, uh, the physio Gary as well you know so we're very lucky to have great men as well and they're very important um, you know the day of a game and leading into to training and, and, and training days as well so you try and bring the whole lot together and I suppose the, the, the big thing is to make sure that you know we, we all want pride and passion and all that but I suppose the big thing for, for us as a group and, and for me as, as a manager is to make sure that we have integrity and, and you know, for me that's just doing something that you really believe in and, and the process you believe in and your game plan and that you're not going to be uh, hung up on results at the end of it, that you're still going to do X, Y and Z because you believe in that if you're making 10 runs inside, you believe that's the right thing to do and that's the integral part for you Um to make that team work as best it can. So just the fact that you don't get the ball inside doesn't make a difference. You keep continuing to make them runs because that's what we're all about. And that goes right through the field. Um, that you're not going to be... I, I know results is the end game, but I think results will happen, Eddie, uh, when you believe in a process and you believe what you're doing is the right thing for the team. Um, and, and that's, I suppose, the mantra that we're going to chase all year. 
Yeah, no, I'd agree with that a hundred percent. Just, just on 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 one thing that I, I I would like to to ask you about is, you were involved in Kieran McGinley's management team in, in Kildare um, as a selector, and the question I'd ask you is like like you know in a selector's role, Niall, I'm on about you personally now. I'm not asking about a selector that works underneath you. Did did, did you find it like? You know, as the manager, you kind of set out your own stall, you, you put in your own plan, you work and your selectors kind of work in with you. D- did you find the selector's role fulfilling in the Kildare position? And the other question I'd ask you was, is it, is it a difficult position and sometimes in a selector in the sense that you have to buy into the philosophy of the manager or is it a case of you don't stay as a selector if you don't buy into that philosophy? Do you get me? Yeah, absolutely, Eddie. And and it can be very frustrating for uh, anyone that's a selector or a coach. And my first six months with Kildare was very frustrating. Uh, uh, Paul Grimley was with uh, Kieran McGinley when they came in. Um, and I suppose I, I would have felt quite isolated. Um, and it wasn't their fault. It was probably in my own head. Um, and But I learned very quickly, Eddie, that I had to, I suppose, make sure to find my niche and, and I ended up striking up a relationship with, with Kieran McGinley uh, and very friendly with him to this day um, and ended up, I suppose, being forwards coach for Kildare then. But that was through convincing him that I could deliver something for Kildare that was going to work and um, come up with a couple of ideas and he bought into it. And I suppose, he, he especially in 2009 and that, he, he gave me plenty of freedom to work with the players individually and collectively and, um, you know, Paul would have looked after the defensive unit and I would have looked after the forward unit. And then when Aidan O'Rourke came in, um, he stuck with the defenders and I stuck with the forwards. And I suppose, yeah, I, I felt that I had a purpose then from 2009 on. But that first year would have been quite difficult, I'll be honest with you. Um, and that's something I'm very conscious with my own selectors, you know, um, that uh, I, I want everyone to be comfortable and at the same time want to... F- they need to feel that they're adding something to the party. But my time, I would have always felt that it was my job to make the uh, Kieran McGinley look good. It was never supposed to be about me or Kieran. He wouldn't be like that. But I would have believed in all of his philosophies and I would have, you know, I would have driven whatever he wanted me to drive on. Um, absolutely, I would have driven on. Um, and if I felt I didn't believe in something he that he was doing or... Uh, and there was plenty of uh, plenty of times that we had plenty of arguments. But the one thing about Geezer is that uh, you'd always have a real healthy debate, and you'd go and have a cup of coffee after, and you'd be sound, and you'd move on. Uh, and he he liked that. He liked to be challenged, and uh, I suppose it was my job to manipulate him and what I wanted, what I felt was best for the team. Um, and at the end of it, I suppose your management team's goal is to get the best performance from your team on, on the Saturday or Sunday they're going out. And and that's the way we worked on a, a super relationship with him for five years and I really enjoyed it and we were lucky enough to get to you know the latter stages of the competitions, all Ireland semi finals and provincial finals and quarter finals and um, you know we were playing big games every year and uh, you learn a hell of a lot from that. Um, but I suppose the answer to your question is that it can be difficult for for anyone going in a selector, if you if you feel yourself that you don't have a role, you know. Yeah, no, I I agree. It's 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 something that I do see sometimes, and it's it, as you rightly say that you know, and it's not nobody's in the game for for self promotion to be you know look at me, I'm a hero because you're knocked off that pedestal very quickly. But I think it's 
the reason, and you've answered it very clearly to me as well, is like when you're in the manager hot seat in Carlo, you control the environment. And sometimes I know it's something a lot of managers I've spoken to have said that you need to be, you have to be conscious of the fact that your selectors have to feel that they're valued and that they're contributing. And if they're not, they really shouldn't be there in that back room because there's no use to anyone. We'll only end up kind of arguing in the long run for the sake of arguing. Um, just just on, a, on another one that I just want to touch on there because we've kind of looked at the managerial side and setting you up there with Carlo. But for me... It's just, it's I I think it's a fair question. If it's an unfair question, you can say Eddie, that's an unfair question. But in 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 football, particularly, I think there's a massive gap from what's perceived the the smaller counties to the the top counties, say the Curry, uh, Dublin, Mayo. There, there's a huge gap from there to the lower tier counties, um, it, and it's it, it seems to be widening. And and I'm just wondering from your own perspective. Is the GEA doing enough to to try and close that gap a bit? You know that it could become more a bit more competitive. Um, like you take the Leinster Championship this year. Like I have fears of the relevance of the Leinster Championship. I'm a very proud Westmead man, and I and I shout for Westmead. You know, week in week out. But like, there's only so many times you'll travel up to watch Westmead getting beaten by forty points from Dublin. Um, and 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 the gap doesn't seem to be close closing. And that's no fault of Jack Cooney or or the players on the field. Like they are training, they're doing their best, but this gap—it—it it, it honestly feels to me like it's nearly widening. I'm just wondering, from your own perspective, in a in a club, a county, I should say, like Carlo, is there something more the GEA could be doing here? Yeah, well, look, I suppose, and I know Jack fairly well, and if you look back at that Leinster championship, I'd say Westmead were probably the one team that gave Dublin, I think Dublin beat them by ten or eleven points. That that stuck with Dublin were competitive for for long periods. Um, and if you look back at Carlo a couple of years ago, they were similar. But I do agree in terms of the reason the gap is widening. And you see, I, I feel sorry for um, Sean, who's our treasurer, and, and Jim Bulger, who's now the new chairman in Carlo. Um, whether people like it or not, and Crow Park know this, but they'll still bury their heads in the sand. Like, to get to a team from all Ireland quarter final, um, if you go in the new system, or the old system, say your backdoor provincial, and to drive your team on and to get them to that level, whether whether people like it or not, you could be talking up to a half a million to run that team. Um, and, and people don't realise that. And so you have Carlo that would have a budget of maybe, in fairness to them, they're absolutely, they can only give what they have to prepare your team. And that's why we can only have small numbers. Like most Kildare have... 40 plus in, in training like, Carlo can't afford that you know what I mean um, and if you look at the underage structure Carlo can't afford to have massive preparation like Kildare would have or Dublin would have uh, leading into an under 20 or a minor campaign they just wouldn't have the funds for that and the knock on effect on that is that you have players coming in that are way off then say of your of your senior players you know, your Sean Gannon, your Dara Foley's, your own roots of this of this world. You know what I mean? They're way off that because they haven't got the level of preparation that's needed. Like, I'll give you an example. When I was at Waterford um, back in 2012, 2013-2014, uh, Waterford footballers under 21 at the time were beaten in the first round of the Munster Championship and Waterford hurlers under 21s were beaten in the first round of the Championship of the Munster hurlers. So they were gone. But at the end of the year, um, it was 
50 odd thousand for water for 121 hurlers, their preparation, uh, what which cost, which is very fair, and uh, for the footballers it was three and a half thousand. And that just tells you there was no preparation put into the football, and there was no and there was massive preparation put into the hurling. But what I'm trying to say is that I agree they were dead right to pump it in because you're going to that will pay dividends down the line that you have the right preparation. Players are exposed to elite training, and, and then the step up is not as big then when you're trying to make it up to senior level. And you know I, I go back with my time in Sligo when we got to the Connacht final. Um, the Radisson Hotel were sponsoring Sligo and it's, it's, it's well documented anyway um, but I, I think it was 12,500 years we were getting now in fairness to Peter Green he pumped that up uh, the following years with other sponsorships coming in but that's what he inherited but 12,500 and I think Elbridge could have been given uh, well over the 100,000 mark um, for Mayo who we were still meeting in the provincial final now at the same time Sligo would have still had three live television games that year uh, Mayo ended up probably with maybe four to five that year, but like you know, it, that that's the problem. Um, and when you don't have, and Crow Park will keep saying that money is not the real issue. Like, but if you don't have money to prepare your teams at all levels, I'm not just talking about my senior team. I'm talking about every Carlow team. If you had the money that Dublin and Kildare and Mead have to prepare all their teams. And if that was a level playing field, that that preparation was going into all them players from under 14 right up, the same money going into them, I guarantee you the gap would close. I'm not saying that Dublin still won't win the All-Ireland, but what I'm saying is the gap will close. And you'll find then that when the gap is closing, it means you're competitive. And if you're competitive, one day you will beat the big team then once you're competitive. And you know that yourself, Eddie. If you're being competitive, then you have a chance. It is, and and, and and now like I I couldn't agree with you more on, on on the point you're making about the budgets, but like I I looked at last year's uh, All Ireland hurling final, and I looked uh, I'd be a basket case that way. I always take the program and look at the backroom teams, and when I looked at the Limerick backroom team, there was almost a backroom member for every player on the team. Um, yeah. Did a backroom I would say of thirty people involved in their backroom. Tipperary similarly in hurling. Dublin in football, a backroom team of about 35 people from, you know, analysts. They've everything bar stockbrokers and bankers in there investing money for the players. It's, they literally, I I honestly believe a Dublin senior footballer literally only has to put his football boots on and his jersey on him and everything else is literally prepared for him on a match day from what he eats when he wakes up in the morning to the time he goes to bed at night because they're being, they're being looked after like professional athletes by the county boards and like is it not time now that the GEA steps in like it's all well and good saying that you you know we're going to have a closed season of six months of this and six months of that and, and these type of things but is it not time now if the GEA is serious about promoting the game that they actually step in and say right we're going to have to cap how much is going into these because the, the likes as you said like if you take the comparison you drew from Sligo sponsorship AIG sponsorship of Dublin GEA is well in excess of a million euro um, yeah. like it's it, it really what you have a situation of is Carlo, Westmead, Offaly, we're, we're Birmingham City and Coventry and we're trying to take on Manchester United and Manchester City. Really, that's what's happening in the GEA on an amateur level. Yeah. And like, I mean, I would have, when I was with Sligo and I only draw comparisons there, 
I remember I was writing an article, and the reason I did it every week, I did it in the Stiger Champion, because um, there was a lot of, um, I suppose, untold facts that was going through a particular paper, and I would have contacted him. I said, what's, you know, what's been told there is wrong. I said, and he asked me, would I do an article every week? And I did it. And I, I told him exactly what we were doing, gave people an insight on, on what we were training. And it worked very well. And the other thing was, no, I wouldn't do it again because it takes up too much time. But the second thing I did was I would have challenged Crow Park a few times. But I would have been told by um, members of Sligo County Board uh, to stop writing the article. And I can't be... Um, you can't be talking about Crow Park and because it's, you know, I one head and one day was uh, Crow Park need to wake up and, and smell the coffee. I was told uh, that Crow Park do make the coffee. And I, I said, yeah, they do make coffee. They make it for the top four or five teams. I said, they're not making it for us. And you see, that's, that's the whole spin off of this. Like county boards, whether Crow Park like it or not, they're borderline hold them to ransom because they have to wait then county boards then are dependent on different grants that are coming from people in Crow Park now don't get me wrong I, I've no issue giving up about Crow Park um, but they do unbelievable work as well I'll get that in there um, unbelievable we're a brilliant organisation and if some soccer fella or a rugby fella was giving up about Crow Park I'd be the first to defend them but I feel I've a licence to uh, talk to you Eddie in in I suppose for me, just to get people to realise that the gap is down to finance as well. It is a major part of it. And I think if Crow Park really did sit down with, um, not even managers, sit down with chairman and treasurers and say, right, well, this is what you spent this year to uh, prepare your teams and this is what the top teams have spent. You'll see an almighty comparison that you'll say, right, well, how can you improve then if you're pumping 500,000 into uh, Kildare and Carr only pumping 150,000? It, it doesn't add up. So that's why the gap is getting bigger with Dublin because they have the resources as well as uh, talented players uh, that are willing to work very hard. Well, we need to get that in. But I think if you can create an elite system in every county in the country and it's so well prepared and everyone is so well looked after um, well then you're going to have more people wanting to play Gaelic football and yeah. Ireland obviously of course, yeah, no, and 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 like I think it's a it's a very fair point and it's very well made that because like I find it laughable sometimes when people look at results and I know with Westmead like like I've taken great pride like we're the last team to have won a Leinster title I think aside from Dublin um, and then like you know last year we didn't concede a goal against them in the championship we 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 played relatively well but at all stages in the game I just you know we never thought we were going to win it was a containment operation but when I, when I'd see friends of mine and they talk to me and they're not from Westmead and they'd be slagging me about Westmead getting beaten by Dublin I'm looking and I'm thinking to myself you don't realize what our players had to go through to be at that level to compete with yeah. them and and I think Absolutely. it's it, it is it is very unfair but kind of pressing a little bit to the side of the finance side of it but again it's it's it's, it's and I'm not going to be harping on and arguing about Dublin all day that's not what it's about but it, it, this isn't their fault but the dominance of Dublin in the Leinster Football Championship has it really is it now at the stage where like if Carlo had drawn Dublin in the first round of the championship is it 
I know you're not going to say you would, but is it is it gone to the stage now where teams are starting to look at what's after that game? Because, you know, you're going in there to try and, it's, it's, it's what's the word, a kind of a free throw of the coin or a free toss of the coin that you're going in. Nobody's expecting you to get anything out of it. Um, you contain them as much as you can. We play a few rounds of Leinster Championship. Dublin will ultimately win it, and then we all go in the back door and start again. Yeah, yeah. I, I suppose as a, you know, as a manager and as a coach, you, you, you just you certainly don't think that way. You, you you believe in your own head that you're going that you have a chance. You know, you really do. And like when I was with Waterford, we played Kerry in the first round of the Munster, and like I mean, I wasn't saying it publicly, but. I really believed that we could have won that game, like in my head before we played. And, you know, when you were setting up for training, you know, that was the idea. You wanted to go and beat Kerry. Um, that was back in 2013. And what happened was it was six points to four at half time. And um, we actually were right in the game. Um, but a second half then was another story. Kerry just blitzed us. And, and there was a lot of reasons for that. But, I don't think any manager would go out or any management team would go out and say, right, we're playing Dublin. Uh, I, I, you'd never think of the next game. I, I wouldn't anyway. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm not saying I'm naive enough to think that we're going to win the Leinster. But at the same time, I, I would have that romantic and, and that belief in my own head to say, no, well, why not? Um, at the same time, you have to be realistic. But you would train your team and you'd prepare your team that you might see a few flaws, that you might get a nugget. Um, and maybe if they had a really bad day and you had a good day, you just never know. And I doubt with Sligo, in, 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 even though we're beaten by eight points in the end, um, we had back two or three lads that were only coming back from injury and we played Mayo in Castlebar 2017. And with four minutes, seven minutes to go, there was three points in it and we had a great chance of a goal and we missed it. And um, we were really, we had them on the rack and they went up and got a goal then and then they kicked two points and the game was over. So at the end of it, everyone was saying, uh, but for me going away from that game, I said, no, we, we were, if we got that goal, all bets were off. It was a draw match. We were right into it. And I think you have to believe that um, as, as a manager and a coach. And I, 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 that's that's the way I'd go forward. I, I, and I think you have to. And no more than like the Irish rugby team, and this is why I I was dreading when everyone was going on about the B and C and D championship. Um, you know, like sure, Ireland going playing the rugby, generally to get um, trounced out in the World Cup uh, in the quarter-final stage. Um, and there's no one talking about, well, maybe we should put Ireland into the Rugby B World Cup. and You know, no one. Um, so I, I find it amazing that we keep harping on about going to back into the A, Bs and Cs is, is just kicking the can down the road. Um, unless there's a way back in to the elite competitions, you're not going to close the gap. And unless uh, you're going to be fair with finance and that everyone is on the same, like it's supposed to be an amateur organisation. Um, so if that's the case, well, then everyone should have the same um, amount of money to prepare their teams uh, going forward. I mean, every team uh, to give them uh, the same opportunity. Uh, regardless of population, leave that aside. That's nothing to do with it. For me, it's still down to that finance thing. Um, and uh, I, I think we just keep kicking the can down the road. Uh, but you're going to get the same results, you know. Yeah, no. Um, I'm going to come back to the, the football setup itself with the GA as in the championships themselves. But before I go back to that, I, like a couple of weeks back, 
like we're talking about the Dublin senior football team they're they're at the, they're, they're, everybody is aspiring to be that at that level like the level they're at is just phenomenal they're they're wonderfully organised and they have you know they've transitioned through a couple of management teams and still progressed and improved I, I, I wondered when managers like yourself and, and the Offaly manager uh, John Mohan or, or Jack Cooney in Westmead woke up and picked up the front pages of the papers the morning after the Dublin senior football team was blitched out training uh, bre- breaching all COVID guidelines going against the philosophy of the GEA and, and everything that we, we were supposed to stand for how how did that make you feel yourself uh, as the Carlo manager who's playing by the rules to see the biggest and strongest team in the country flaunting them? Yeah, I look, I suppose, I, I don't know the ins and outs in that and um, I, I steer clear of it, to be honest with you. Um, all I can say, Eddie, on, on our team is that we stuck by the letter of the law and like I work in the health service myself, so I would be very, very cautious of, um, you know, what way things are, are, are done around our setup because uh, life is, is way more important than any trophy or any medal. Um, but I, I think they, they certainly got it wrong to know that. Um, and, I mean, I have so much to worry about getting Carla right, and uh, I'm so lucky to have uh, Sean Campion as treasurer and Jim Bulger as chairman, along with all the other county board delegates that now see what has to be done in order to get um, finance in to run all our teams in Carlo and both football and hurling because, as you know, it's a dual county as well. Um, so I, I think what they did, they put their hands up and they said, well, I don't know if they admitted they were wrong, but I'm sure they did. But um, I, yeah, I think it was, it was, um, I, 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 it didn't bother me I because I have so much to worry about Carlo um, and I just let it go and I think if I'd say if it, if they could turn back the clock all the teams they wouldn't do it again um, but yeah look it's, it's, it's just where we're at and that's the decision they made so I I wouldn't have too much comment to say because there's so much work to do in Carlo so. Yeah no it's, it's just because it, it's one of the things I've looked at and there's been a number of teams sanctioned for breaches of Covid and we can we can say that the COVID, maybe it's a bit too stringent, the training sessions maybe should be allowed to go ahead or maybe it isn't allowed to go ahead. But when the governing body of an organisation says, right, you can't train, and then you've got three or four, and obviously Dublin being the most high profile, but you have three or four counties breaching that. Like, the sanctions that have been dished out, I know Desi's after been suspended for, for two months. Um, I think it was a similar ban was applied in, I'm going to say Cork, I'm not 100%, but I think it was in Cork and there was one of the clubs in the north as well and they were given kind of eight-week bans. Like, did, did, I, I don't know, do the sanctions actually, do they mean anything really? Um, do, do you know what I mean? Is is, is that punishment real yeah. at all? Well, it's it, it certainly not going to... Um it's not going to handicap any team anyway, is it? Um, you know, you're only banned from matches, but all your pre- as manager and as a coach, all your preparation is done all week before training. And so, yeah, I, I think it was... I, I don't know if they could have given any other sanction, you see. You know, I'm not sure what the, the laws are. Um, I don't know whether they could have... I don't know what they could have done. Well, as, a, as, a, as a Westmead man, as a Westmead man, I would have taken him getting thrown out of Leicester Championship uh, yeah. as, as an yeah, acceptable look, place I, to start. I mean, if you look at the soccer, I mean, the, uh, you know, if you breached anything like that, you're you're relegated to maybe two or three divisions. Um, and that's the only way you're going to hurt, um, you 
know, but as I say, like, I, I don't know whether that was their first session or their 21st session. You know what I mean? So it's very hard to comment on it. You know, is it, was it just their first or second session? Uh, or was it their 22nd session? And we'll never know that. No. If it was their 20th session, well, then you'd be, you know, you'd be saying just hold on. Like, I mean, we're, what are we doing here playing against the rules? But you know yourself, I mean, there's, you know, Dublin, Crow Park need Dublin uh, because they generate all the revenue for us um, for, for, you know, for, you know, their big crowds and their big population and, and they do have a great following. Um, so, I mean, they're obviously, I mean, finance is the biggest thing um, for every organisation, whether it's work or whether it's sport. At the end of it, generally, that's what people look at. And I would love for someone at one stage to come in to teams like Harris and say, can we look at the model of what's going to improve the players and, and forget about finance for a minute um, and, and work that way? Um, and I think that's probably Crow Park's job. Um, but as I go back earlier, Eddie, unless we have a level playing field on sponsorship, uh, uh, well, then the gap is going to continue to grow. Yeah, but uh, like I've spoken to players about this um over the last number of months there during lockdown and, and, and talking to them but it's, it is it, it is at every level and it's something like I'd love to see the GEA coming up with a kind of a collective format so you set up centres of excellences in every county you, you fund the centre of excellences you bring in the programmes to nurture players from under 12s right up to senior but likewise the GPA I, I, I think the GPA need to look at their own Lots of players get nice sponsorship deals and get nice cars, and I wouldn't begrudge any of them any of that. I think they all deserve it, and they get they get nice stuff. But when you look at some of the county boards' budgets, and then you look at if you take some teams, you know the players are lucky to get the tracksuits, the jersey, the bag. You know it's it's nearly there. Yeah, that's your stuff for the year, and they're delighted with it. Whereas if you go to other counties. Players are getting cars, sponsorship deals from someone else, and I think if the GEA was to try and look at it and say let's let's streamline that a small bit, that every player that plays at senior level in in, in the championships this year will get this little bit of funding for themselves, whether it's towards their education, towards their motor, you know, because there's lots of people out there that want to sponsor, but they all want to sponsor the big two or three teams. And I think Absolutely. the GEA should maybe filter that money down a bit more fairly, disperse it a little bit better, and I think. The, the whole country will benefit from it because all we want to see is competitive matches and whether that's Carlo against Wicklow or Wicklow against Dublin just you know let us go there and, and see real good competition Yeah no no, Eddie you're 100% right and I, I would love that to happen and like and I hate every time we have these conversations and, and you know I suppose I'm on podcast and, and I, I'm doing it to promote Carlo and any team I'm with because I feel that they need it but the big thing for me is when I come on, I, I hate criticising, uh, and it's not, it's constructive criticism, I suppose, and I'd be given the likes of Crow Park because they have done, and this is not me um, pulling back a small bit because it's all the one, but I mean, we are a super organisation. Let's call it Spade as I think we're by far the best in the country, and the way we play our Gaelic games all over the world, it's, it's second to none, especially when we're amateur. But I do think that we're missing a trick uh, by not having a level playing field when Crow Park are in control and when they can pull the strings and they can dictate who gets what. Um, and for me, 
I think if they did that, exactly what you were saying, Eddie, if they did that from under 12s up and streamlined it across, now there is, every county player does get a grant every year uh, from the Irish Sports Council, and, and that's brilliant. That's moved on from 25 years ago, which is brilliant, um, that every player is, is, is getting a grant. But it's that level of preparation that requires money. Um, preparation always equals money, whether you like it or not. Um, and like you'd really, you'd really need the likes of, I suppose, talk to Jim Bulger after next year, you know, and Sean Campion, the struggles they have to keep the whole thing going. You know what I mean? Um, and I know um, Jim and Sean are, are pushing this massive fundraiser in Sligo that the clubs are going to benefit it as well, and that should be launched shortly. But like, um, that's that's where Cardo are at. You, you, you've seen Leitrim do something similar. You've seen Offaly do something similar. You've seen Westmead doing something similar. You haven't seen Dublin Kerry or Mayo trying to do that. They don't have to. No, and, and, and you know what I mean. You're, you're all, like you. You couldn't be more right. It's like I spoke to Michael Dignan four or five weeks ago, and he was in the midst of like asking the Offaly senior football team and hurling team to go for five k runs and walks along the riverbanks to raise money yeah. for the Offaly senior for the Offaly GEA setup and. I haven't seen any Dublin senior footballers doing big fundraisers. You know, it's, it's, it isn't fair, and it's look. We won't, we won't take up all the time talking, but you, you know, you're 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 pushing an open door here, and I hope somebody in the GEA will maybe start looking at this and saying, you know, last year was a tough year, obviously with COVID for the finances of the GEA, but the previous twenty five years weren't, and it's how that money is dished out. I do want to switch on to matters on the field, um, a little bit with Janelle, if you don't mind, and it's, 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 it's. it's I, I, I'll be straight I'm going to say it's the overvaluing of the National League um, I, I've seen it down through the years where sometimes managers will go in and they'll focus their attentions on getting a promotion whether this is in hurling or football I've seen it with Wexford with Davy Fitz a couple of years back Wexford got promoted from Division 2 to Division 1A I, I think at the time maybe unfairly I felt that Davy Fitz had Wexford peaking in, in May and they were able to go and win that league, or they, you know, they got promoted from that league. Um, but then their championship pittered out. And I remember speaking to some Wexford people afterwards, and they're saying, "It was what a great year, you know, we we were were promoted in the league." And I was thinking, oh, "Jesus, was it a good year? You got beaten by four points or five points in the first round of the championship, and you're gone." Um, you know, like with with the role you're in right now in Carlo and I'm not trying to throw you into a bath of boiling water and let you try and climb out of it yourself but like in the role you're with you know like if I was speaking to you this time next year if if you beat um, Longford in the first round of the championship and then win the second round of the championship and end up say in a semi-final of Leinster would that be a better achievement would that be a more successful year than Carlo getting promoted from Division 4 to Division 3 well absolutely I mean I, I I'm on record uh, of saying this, that for me, um, championship is always what it's all about. Um, and if you said to me now, get to a Leinster final um, or get out of Division 4, I will take Leinster final every day of the week. Uh, to win two big championship games in Leinster or to win one major championship game in Leinster or get out of Division 4, I said no. Win that one major championship game because players then have the belief and okay, when we had the crowds back, and look, I was lucky enough to get a few of them with, with Sligo when we beat Ross Common in the Connacht semi final. They were Division 1, we were Division 3. Uh, they were flying it, beaten by five points in a packed stadium in, in, in Markovic. 
and would I swap that for to get out of Division 3 that year? No way would I swap it. Uh, and I'd say the players would never swap it either. Um, and, you know, summer is what it's all about. And if you can get a good run in the championship, um, I mean, the memories, and we all have different journeys in the championship, there's no doubt. But, you know, for there's no reason why a Division 4 team every year can't get to the last eight, in my opinion. Um, if you've seen Fermanagh doing it, you, you know, Wicklow were very close. One year, I know we beat them in 2009 in the, the, the last 12 to get to a quarter final um, when I was with Kildare. Um, Clare have done it, uh, getting to a quarter final. Uh, Limerick did it one year, if you think back. So, I mean, you ask any of them players, would they have swapped it? They know they, they wanted to get there, you know. Um, so, for me, it's all about championship. Then big days in Dr. Cullen when you have. Um, every young child at that from national school and especially six-class uh, boys and girls at that game. And if Carlo had a big win, they won't forget that. But if you got promoted and you beat Wexford and it's lashing rain and there's only about 1,000 people at it, there's not many people that remember that. Um, but it's them big summer days that there's, you know, like Carlo beating Kildare and Tullamore that year, uh, they'll never uh, forget that. Any young lad that was at that game or young girl will never forget that. So, for me, it's always about the championship. But when you're in a competition, so the league is the most important thing, which always, you're always thinking that the league is preparation for the championship. You know, it's different now because the whole thing is running into one. But for next year, you're always thinking, yeah, um, you'll be rightly tuned now for the first round of the championship and this is where we're at. Um, that's my belief and uh, I'm not saying I'm right but it's, it's what I believe in well, it's music to my ears Niall anyway because I, I, I genuinely think and as much as everyone tries to hype it up and I love the ads on the radio and <laughs> it's great yeah, but for yeah. me I will take Westmead getting beaten in every round of the National League getting relegated to go to Crow Park to see them playing in the Leicester final that's that to me and I know I know a lot of people will tell you build a momentum in the National League and all that stuff but I think the National League has always been, in my opinion anyway, a format where you, you try things, you get things right and you get your championship team ready to go. Um, still on, on the matters on the field, I loved last year's format of straight knockout in the championships, but that's a personal taste and I felt it threw up some shocks, not many, but it did throw up some. Tipperary winning uh, and getting to an All-Ireland semi-final was obviously the romantic um, thing of the whole scenario. Are you in favour of straight knockout championship or... Are you against it? And the second part of that question, it's a two-part question. When, when, when the back door was put in, I was always told that was done to help smaller counties to get more games in the championship. But I'm now starting to believe that if you go with the backdoor system, it means that the big teams, if they have an off day, get a chance to re- fix it. I know the, the backdoor system was done for revenue. That's if we all call a spade a spade, and it's the big elephant in the room is always revenue, but it does suit bigger populations like of Kildare and that but it has suited Fermanagh and Limerick that came through the back door and got to a quarter final as well um, I I suppose look the second chance is good um, what I would love is a real open draw in the 32 counties uh, 31 in London I suppose and New York is in there too but I, I would love uh, an open draw um, I, I think the provincial is certainly dead in the water but um, Ulster um, will probably never agree because they're very competitive and 
um, it's it's very close to their hearts to have an Ulster Championship um, for, for all the reasons we know but like I think there is something romantic about the knockouts like the FA Cup that we were all growing up to the All-Ireland and if you do beat lucky enough to beat Dublin they're gone <laughs> but, 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 like it, it, Just on the point that you're making about a straight knockout that I'm going to pick you up on two things you, you invited New York and London into a straight knockout championship but you didn't invite Kilkenny but we won't push on to that night yeah, too yeah. hard <laughs> but, but that, 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 that's because Kilkenny don't want to be invited. No, I, I was only, I, I'm, only, I'm, only, I'm only joking, but uh, there's a lot of people in Kilkenny going to be looking for you after this goes out. But uh, no, yeah. the, 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 the other point I would say to you is I would love to see an open draw championship, but why not have a situation where you run your National League a little bit earlier in the year, let the provincials have their provincial championship. So you have an Ulster championship, a Munster championship. The Camogie Association do this every year. They have a league, they have, the national, they have their own Camogie league, each province has its own championship that has no bearing on the All-Ireland Championship. Now, they don't have an open draw for the All-Ireland Championship, but it can be done like that. You could play, the Ulster Championship is there and you compete and you win your Ulster title, but separate to that is what we call the All-Ireland Series, where 32 names go into a hat and there's an open draw and you could have a scenario where Dublin draw Mayo in the first round of the Championship and Carlo draw Westmeath or Carlo draw... um, Loud, and next thing you know, Dublin are gone out of the championship, but but Carlo or Loud are into the last sixteen when Dublin are gone. Like, why why is it something that that's met with such resistance? If you still allowed the four provinces have their own little province, provincial championship, but then have an open draw. Yeah, no, and again, I I wouldn't rule that out. And I mean, I suppose my half ought to never count, <laughs> but I I think um, no, and and that sounds that sounds logical and. There's a fair bit of romance in that, which we all want in 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 sport. Um, you know, uh, you know, if we think back, even with the World Cup when Ireland beat Italy, if the bet them in Italy went out, it would have been great. Um, you know that you're putting out a big team when you beat them once, they're gone. Um, and it does sound brilliant if you had Kerry drawn Dublin in the first round, one big one is gone, and then as you say, Kerry could get Mayo in the second round. And wouldn't that be brilliant? Um, that all the big guns are gone and you just never know then. You never know. Teams start getting belief, start getting uh, momentum in the championship. You're after winning three or four rounds and all of a sudden you're in the last eight and why not? You'd be saying to yourself, why not? Um, and yet, for me, that can that can certainly bridge the gap. Um, I, I think this Dublin dominance will it will peter out. Um, I, I believe it will. I, I think Dublin are where Kerry were at in the 70s and 80s. Uh, that Kerry team, um, there's massive, it mirrors Dublin uh, in in our the last 15 years. It mirrors them because if you look at Kerry, apart from Offaly getting that late super goal by Seamus Darby and I think Tyg Murphy got the goal against uh, for Cork against Kerry in the Munster in 83, 82 and 83, Kerry would have won uh, seven or eight in a row as well because they went on to win three more after that. So you are looking at special teams that happen maybe every 40 or 50 years and you have Kerry and now you have Dublin. I do think that's going to peter out in the next two years. Um, but in order for that to peter out, uh, you, other teams certainly do need help um, from the likes of Crow Park in terms of getting teams at the level playing field. Uh, but I do like that, Hedy. I, I do like that format that you're on about there in the Championship. And I do feel it would throw out loads of Romantic, like even Carlo playing Kerry and Dr. Cullen. When was that have? Did that ever happen? You know what I mean? 
Um, so for me, that that certainly would be a runner, and I I, I wouldn't I wouldn't be voting against that. Like, you know, but it see like. And I've I've had this before with, and even if you look at last week, where or earlier this week, in, in 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 when there was suggestion that the six teams would leave the Premiership and join the elite um, Super League or whatever they were going to call it, I, I listened to Marcelo Bielsa, um, Leeds United's manager, who's quite philosophical and a, and a brilliant coach, but he said that competition and and cup competition in particular, it often throws up results that shouldn't happen or shouldn't be expected to happen. So for teams to be playing in a competition that they automatically would be qualifying for, which, which is what these uh, big 12 clubs were trying to do, he said it takes the, the romance out of the game. And if you look at our All-Ireland Series Championship, Tipperary got into the All-Ireland Semi-Final. Now, on merit, they deserved every win they got in the Championship, and I don't mean that in any way to disrespect Tipperary's performance in the Football Championship. But if that was a normal year, I'd be very surprised if Tipperary would have got to the All-Ireland Final. Um, or the All-Ireland semi-finals, I should say, they, they would have won the Munster final and I would have thought the teams that were knocked out would have got them again. If it, do, 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 do you get what I'm saying? That Yeah, no, I do. I, 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 look, and I agree with you. That does, I mean, that's why it suits the bigger teams and the bigger populations. Like, and that's why, you know, when I was selector coach with Kildare from 2208 to, to 212 to five years, I mean, we benefited greatly from the back door because we had a big playing pool. Um, you know, um, if you think about Wicklow knocked us out in the first round and then they got knocked out in the second round. They, there was no back door for them that year in 2008. But yeah, we ended up in the quarterfinal and Wicklow were sent packing uh, in the middle of June. Do you know what I mean? Uh, or the end of May nearly. After beating us, um, but they still went on to, uh, I think, Leash beat them the second day. Uh, and that that was their year finished and Kildare was still in the championship went on to another quarter final and then the qualifiers kicked in then 2009 proper that division 4 teams were allowed back in um, but it does benefit generally it does benefit uh, the bigger teams but be under no illusion this was never about the weaker teams this was always about generating finance um, for Crow Park and and I, that's okay that that has to be done too you can't run it in the, without money but I think we have to be fair you know and, and you know take our heads out of the sand and say look let, let's be fair here stop playing political football with with uh, the biggest sport in, in in the country you know and let's start what you said earlier Eddie which was a, for me it's a no brainer let's start giving people the same amount of revenue every year to run their teams. Um, and if you do that, the gap will certainly close. Um, and I love the idea. Now, the more it's sinking into me, I love the idea of an FA Cup, FA Cup type um, open draw uh, for the All-Ireland Series and let it rip and it would show up unbelievable. Like, you'd have 80,000 if Kerry played Dublin in the first round. So what's the difference? But you, you see, know? see, people don't realise this, and, and the GEA might be frightened of it, but you'll have 16 sold-out stadiums for the first round of the championship. And I mean that. that That's regardless of whether it's loud against Wicklow or, yeah. or, you know, if that match is played and, you know, someone gets home advantage. So Wicklow are at home in the first round of an All-Ireland series against Loud, and they might see that as a, 
we could beat these today. And likewise, as you said, if you draw two big guns early in the championship, you know, the games are played. Whoever's drawn out first, you know, should be given home advantage. Dublin will always pull out first. They'll just get lucky in the draw. But it's, <laughs> it's, it's you know, but but it had actually, I think it had reignite the whole, like, because it, it has become a little bit mundane. And if I, I can see myself, I, I would love it. I would just love to be heading off somewhere I've never been, like head off to Monaghan for yeah. the first round of the championship. Bit of crack, you know, that type of way. Yeah, absolutely. And, I think we're missing that romance as well in the, you know, in in the headquarters in GA. And uh, look, as I said, I, I think we're a super organisation. I really do. Uh, but we're only given constructive criticism here. And like, I suppose I'm at the coal face, and, and you have been too, Eddie. So we we know what we're talking about. It's not that we're pulling this out from, you know, from no man's land. We we it's in front of us. Um, and and unless somebody is brave enough from all the so-called uh, smaller counties, unless all these people are brave enough to challenge, um, I suppose, the status quo, what it is at the moment, uh, it's going to be like this for a long time, but I think we all have to get together and say, hold on, let's demand, uh, like what of all the counties all over the, the bottom 20 counties said, no, we're not playing any competitions this year, walk away, we'll pull out everything, uh, unless we get the same um, finance that all the other teams are getting uh, yeah. to run our teams. Yeah, yeah. I, I know. You, you, you talk. It will work your while, Eddie, to talk to a chairman and the treasurer that's going to be straight talking and tell you exactly the headache he or she has uh, in order to try and get money in to run his teams. Um, and, and sometimes, and they mightn't tell you this, but sometimes chairman and, and treasurers Sometimes they're really relieved that they don't win the next year because they probably don't have the finance. Where are they going to pull it from? You no, know? No, like, uh, I, I've seen it with teams that I was involved in and I remember, you know, getting into the latter stages of a championship and having a match that was way too far away to travel on the day of the game and, and when we said, look, we need to go down the night before, there was there was uproar. And <laughs> I said, look, you can't expect these players to go out in the field and play a match at half two after travelling for five hours on a bus. Um, but but in fairness to the county board, I, I I did feel sorry for them and I did understand where they were coming from. But I remember at the time it was being suggested that we'd we'd might do a whip around in the dressing room, and I thought I'll be going to the Irish Independent if somebody comes in and asks me to do a whip around in the dressing in the dressing room. You know, that, that, that was the journalist coming out as well. Yeah, no, but this is it. I, I'm sure some businessman would see an opportunity for a bit of PR and might have covered it. You know, but thankfully we pulled it out of the fire. The last thing I just want to ask you about before I let you go, and you've been you've been super with your time and and, and your honesty, is rule changes in within the GEA, uh, particularly with football. There seems to be. You know, every other year, it's like something new comes up. Like, I don't remember any rule changes up to about 98, 99. I don't remember any. But since the noughties, you know, the introduction of the black card, obviously the cards, the red and yellow card first, then the black card, then the mark, you know, it's... Is the game being slowed down by these rules or is it benefiting from them? Like, you're out there in the cold face on the side of a pitch. You, you, you're better positioned to give me your honest opinion on it than I, than I am from just watching it on TV. But... I, I I feel sometimes that the game's being slowed down a little bit by all these rule changes. Well, I, I think it's, and I, I had a fair share of my run-ins with, with referees, um, but again, and the older you get, you know referees aren't now to do you. Sometimes you, you might go home and believe that, <laughs> um, but they're not. They're only human beings, and 
Uh, I've never come across a referee that, that that did any made a decision on purpose. But I think um, the pressure referees are under with all the rule changes, uh, with the three cards, uh, with the ticking, um, with watching mere foreigners running in and out. Um, there's no. I feel sorry for the referees too. I. I it's a competitive. People don't realise that refereeing is a competitive nature as well. That the men on the sidelines that are doing the line really want their job in the middle of the field. <laughs> yeah, um, agreed. So, so you're sometimes they don't help each other out enough. Um, that they're not a team. I would have seen that down the line, and I feel sorry for for all referees. I know they bring their own umpires, um, but I, I I think it's. All the rule changes is very, very hard on, on referees um, because they're only human and they're only amateurs as well. Um, I think sometimes people just uh, from, uh, you know, all these rule changes are come from nominations from clubs all over the country. And you will have probably every second club in every county in Ireland uh, you'll have one lad there that they say, Jesus, I might come up with something now to get a rule change changed. And it has to go through the the format then, and it's brought to Congress, and sometimes it gets in. That could have come from anywhere around the country. Um, so I think once that door was opened and the floodgates opened up, that they have to look at them. Um, and um, I, I think, yeah, I think we're tweaking it too much. I, I do think the mark is good um, from the kick out there. I think that's good. I think, you know... That's um, I think it's nice to be rewarded when you make a clean catch. Nothing as bad as any midfielder or wing forward after making a great catch, and then all of a sudden, then there's four lads around them and the ball's turned over. Um, and likewise, I like the mark inside. I think that's good, uh, but it's very hard for referees to control that. I, I think you're running at pace, and some lad pings the ball. Is he the right distance inside or outside? Do you know what I mean? That's that's near impossible to get right. Yeah, it was um, it was something like I touched on this over the last couple of weeks with different people, and one of the suggestions that was put to me was that you give the umpires uh, whistles as well, and the same authority as the refs. So you end up with kind of, for the want of a better way of putting it, nearly three referees working in tandem on the pitch. Um, it's not the the worst idea I've ever heard, um, and and I would agree with you with the mark. In, I, I do like the mark. I from the kickouts, I I think the mark inside the small, you know, for for the attacking mark, I think. It's, it's it's the interpretation of that. I've seen that in club games being called terribly wrong by referees. Um, and I'm looking at it and I'm kind of saying, you know, this guy's getting an on-a-post shot at the post now from, you know, 16 yards or 17 yards because the referee hasn't implemented the rule correctly. And it's it's not it's not easy. But I think it's interesting you say that the rule changes, that is where they come from. The clubs most put them into their own county boards who in turn present them to the GEA yeah. and then they're passed to Congress, is it? Yeah, that's as far as I know. I, I that's the way it used to be. Now it could be. I'm open to. Well, it was uh, just. I was wrong. One, I was wrong once before. There was. <laughs> I remember that day. Um, I know, but it's it's like it, when I spoke to Paul Murphy last week. There was two rules, and I will leave you with these ones to to, to give me your opinion on it. Number one, which was my favourite rule change, was that joint captains were no longer allowed to collect the cup together. Um, Paul just couldn't get his head around, you know who was being hugely offended and how much of a thorn in the side of the GEA was it two people collecting the cup instead of one what What did you make of that rule change I, I didn't even know it was a change yeah you're not allowed uh, to have joint captains if you have you have to ring one of them this evening <laughs> <laughs> no I don't have joint captains but I, I but that's just um, 
for me, that's like a control thing, isn't it? No, you're not allowed to do that. Um, I, I mean, I, I don't know who who comes up with that rule. That obviously came from from headquarters. Um, I mean, I can't see. <laughs> well, pa- Paul, Paul's point, and Paul is very straight. You know, he just said. You know, has that been a torn in the side of the GEA for the last <laughs> ten or fifteen years? That someone's sitting at home saying this is destroying our game. But the other, this one wasn't a rule change, and this is when we were delving into looking at some of the changes in rules. But did you know the sanction? Did you know this is an actual rule in the GEA? If you're sent off in an, in an in a Leinster final or an All Ireland final, you've been sent off in the game, okay? Yeah. And your team wins the All Ireland on that day, so you've been sent off in the All Ireland final you're gone. The team wins the All-Ireland. You're not allowed back onto the pitch for the celebrations or to be have any act or part in the celebrations in Crow Park after the game. Oh my God. I never knew that. I never and knew that. No, that the, is the punishment is a suspension. Uh, you're suspended for one game automatically. Like when I, when I said it to Paul, he said to me, so I pull a fella down in the last minute of an All-Ireland final to stop him scoring a goal. They don't score the result in free. We win the All-Ireland and I have to sit in the dressing room while the rest of Crow Park celebrate winning the All-Ireland, he said, and I'm probably a hero. Yeah, oh my God, I didn't know that. No, and I'm sure if you delve into it, there, there's more. Um, and I, I, yeah, no, and, and that's probably the time wasting that people are spending their time on when we should be looking at more press and stuff and, the things that are in front of us, you know. Um, so yeah, no. I no, that. well, that's if unbelievable. no, it is, and it is, and and as you rightly say, you get a congress that goes on. It's probably got an eight-hour meeting, and we lose an hour discussing things like should two captains be allowed to collect the cup? Should a sent-off player be allowed to stay on the field? When really what we should be looking at is how do we bring thirty-one, thirty-two counties up to the level that they're all competing, not even evenly, but just close to being competitive yeah and, and that's it and I mean I, I'd love I'd love like um, for that to happen um, but I, I've seen you know and even like Radio 1 where to pull the when the draws were made um, I mean everyone that was analysing it and Kevin McStay have great time for in fairness you know, Dublin, it's only one-way traffic. But just let's analyse the other games. Like, you know, like Longford are playing Carlo. Like, you know, analyse that. Um, Westmead are in a quarter-final now. And analyse that game. They have a chance. They ran Dublin. No, he did say Westmead ran Dublin so us. But I think sometimes that are that we, we get all sucked into the... to just ask it's all the one Dublin are going to win. And we forget about analysing. Like, you look at Sky the way they analyse if Liverpool are playing Scunthorf United tomorrow, they would analyse Scunthorf United as if they had a chance. Just give them some profiles and say, well, look, their striker is good, he could cause them harm here. You know that sort of thing. They'd, they'd have everything done to, to a tee uh, to try and make the game exciting. But I, I think we don't do ourselves a lot of favours in that. Uh, we don't promote our, our games enough. You know, like if, if you're promoting the game, Carlo are playing Longford either playing Dublin next ah, sure look it's all the one isn't it that's nearly what that's, that's how that game would be analysed um, yeah. instead of saying hold on this is a separate game this is a massive game uh, let's analyse this game here now in front of us no Niall, we, 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 no you, 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 you are 100% right and I actually think there's a bigger picture at play and, and sometimes people forget this as well is if, if these guys promote 
the Carlo versus Longford game at the same level as the promoted game that Dublin are involved in, it becomes more appealing for sponsors. It becomes more appealing for supporters. Everything it's it's about creating the hype around everything. Like, yeah, absolutely. And I think um, you know, I think our broadcast network have an obligation for that. You know, and maybe they don't have the revenue for it. I don't know the ins and outs of it, but I think the GA itself uh, has an obligation to really make that game as, you know, as sexy as possible, you know. Um, and if you do that, well, then you have a chance, you know. You have a chance then to, to I suppose, increase the, the viewing on it, you know. Niall, on, on, on that note, I'm going to I'm gonna thank you for your time. We're going to leave you with the thought in our heads that we're going to hope that RTE will make games a little bit sexier this year in the... <laughs> in the, in the... Maybe Eddie Cohouse a lot of stuff I've spoken about. No, you've been absolutely fantastic, Niall, and, and you've been very honest. And, and, and from everybody here in, in Casey Laura and, and from Scoreline and obviously the Clash Act, we, we do wish you the very, very best of luck there with, with Carlo this year in the Championship. And fingers crossed that the Carlo Rising Tide can continue into, into next season and we can get a great summer out of you this year. No, and Eddie, thank you. And you've been, and I know in Thurlow's time as well, you've been very supportive and. Uh, promoted Carlo football and hurling um, as much as you could and uh, we appreciate that because without G we wouldn't have a platform so thanks very much No that's absolutely brilliant that is of course Niall Carew the Carlo senior football manager and from everybody here on the Clash Act we wish Niall the very very best of luck